An Instagram post gets an unexpected boost. A TikTok catches in the algorithm. Sometimes that's all it takes to launch someone into internet fame. But then what? This Blew Up is a new podcast documentary that reveals how social media stardom is made, from the glow-ups to the online drama to all those viral content houses. I'll show you how it all adds up to a new kind of fame. From the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Alyssa Bereznik. You can listen to This Blew Up on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Prestige TV podcast. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm here with Jody Walker, and we are back to talk about Sex Lives of College Girls, episodes five and six. Jody, how are you? I am good, Juliette. I think after getting like existentially rocked by Zoe Simmons last week and her hot Gen Z takes, I am not watching the show differently, but I'm just thinking about it a little differently. Uh, I felt a little different I totally watching agree. it. I totally agree. I was like, I was like, I wonder what Zoe would think about this um, the whole time. So we'll have to get her back. But I, I totally agree with you. It it had, that did sort of change the way that I watched the show. And I would say the number one thing that has changed for me, honestly, is, is the character of Bella. And I'm having a pretty hard time with Bella now. So we can get into that. Um, But I'm curious, like, is there one character or aspect for you that really changed? It's not a character, and I've always had a pretty easy time with Bella. Like, I've heard far and wide that she's a pretty tough hang for some people, but not for me. I (laughs) think she's funny. Like, even when she's being kind of, like, nightmarish funny, I have realized that I have a pretty high tolerance for cringe comedy and just cringe Mm. in general. And Zoe pointing that out last week, like, just how cringy it is, in some ways made me like that more. Like, it made me lean into it. Like, oh, this is, this really is sort of a cringe comedy. And that was not exactly something that I was picking up on. But in these episodes five and six, it made me realize that I really enjoy most when these girls are being really messy because that is really leaning into the cringiness of it. And they can't all be extremely messy at the same time, but no one is messier than Bella. And so I think that that always makes me enjoy her storylines or rather like be more invested in her storylines. Because girl, what are you doing? I was going to say, let's come back to Bella, but let's not. Let's just jump into it. Bella decides that she wants to be dating Eric, and I guess he does as well. And so in episode five, taking shots, she and Eric decide to be exclusive um, in a kind of 
cute way where she, you know, it's funny with, with the two with Eric and Bella, like there's none of the back and forth. It's sort of like, you know, Joey and Pacey and Dawson would be like so horrified at the speed of dating. If they watched this show, like literally every character from the years preceding 2020 and like television history would be so confused by Bella and Eric of how like within five episodes, they not only answered the will they or won't they, but they also answered the like, do they actually want to date? Like that used to be the stuff of an entire season. Is it too fast or are you happy they just like lean into it? I think I'm just a little nervous because, you know, I I do love a slow burn. Uh, And we've talked about Bridgerton on this very podcast, which has a lot of the tropes. We love Bridgerton has a lot of the tropes of, you know, like romance. It is a romance novel. And so I was thinking about some of those tropes with some of these matchups throughout the episodes. And it seemed like from the very beginning that Eric and Bella were going to be a slow burn and then got our asses. They weren't a slow burn at all. Like they're going so fast. And it does seem like this fire can't last because Bella's not a good girlfriend. <laughs> No. So the thrust of Bella's uh, existence in these two episodes really centers on episode six, which is called Doppelbanger. Uh, another double Great entendre. Uh, you know, it's it's a very funny name. Bella is the student liaison for the visiting um, comic Dan O'Connell, who is played by John P. Reynolds. Uh, are you familiar with John P. Reynolds? Oh, Juliet, am I? I'm actually shocked I haven't mentioned him yet. I love John P. Reynolds. I love Who him is he? so I, much. I've never seen him before. Please imagine that my jaw is dropped if you are listening. <laughs> uh, he, it, The main thing that I love him from is Search Party, which is one of oh. my very favorite oh, comedies okay. and I think speaks to my level of tolerance for cringy behavior uh, because that is the messiest show on television while it was on television. Um, And he plays a very like nice, sweet boy, often driven to his brink, uh, like super Brooklyn hipster in that show. And I have like a type of character that I really love that I call a lurch, which is like a long stretched out man playing like a very, like a real sweetheart. It's it's like him and Zach Woods. Uh, So I was, who is, um, just in like a million comedies. Yeah, of course. The, the Office and Silicon Valley. I know him, okay? You know him. You know him. <laughs> so I was thrilled to see John P. Reynolds show up. And I spent the whole time being like, please don't be a creep. Please don't be a creep. Please don't be a creep. And I'm not sure where I, I mean, it's-, it's Is he that, a creep? Yeah. Is he I a creep? I don't know. I don't know. Well, break it Break it down, Juliet. What happened? So Bella shows him around and he play in, she's hoping to, I think he's supposed to be like a stand in for like, you know, Seth Meyers, who's, whose poster is present in the girl's suite. Um, he has his own late night show, but I just want to say Seth Meyers is definitively not a creep. He's seems like a great guy. And like, I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about him. Also, he wants to go Northwestern go cats. Um, anyway, anyway, <laughs> she shows him around. He is, does a show and she's hoping to get on the writing staff of his show or like use him to get like her big break into comedy. And this is like a very, even for me, who's never heard of John P. Reynolds and basically eschews the entire comedy scene. Like I know about this, like, you know, you have to be part of the Harvard lampoon or that other Harvard thing that has a weird name. What's the name? Hasty pudding. Um, or other like, you know, cult campus comedy things to like get your start. Like having lived in LA, I can tell you there's so many, so many people who went to Harvard 
and now live in Los Angeles and like work in comedy. And even if they didn't go to Harvard, they have like a Boston connection, like Mindy Kaling and um, so Mike Schur, so many other people. It's like Boston, like New England and the Ivy League are sort of like the gatekeepers of comedy or they were. And it's really unfair and like bizarre though. I think that's changing a little bit. And so anyway, he comes to campus. She shows him around at a party that he attends, which I just have to say, I do think that's realistic. Uh, a comic who shall remain nameless when I was in college, like went with my friends, like like hung out around even around campus, even though he was famous. So that happened. Well, I was going to say like this student liaison thing is very specific. I was like on the student activities board in college and we were always lobbying for like who was going to be the student liaison for like the cool celebrities that were visiting to do comedy shows or just whatever. And who was going to do it for like the creeps. And after I watched this episode, I was like asking my friends from college. I was like, were you guys ever student? Li-? Like, did you ever do that? I <laughs> I was like too, I never wanted to do it. Uh, and my friend was recounting when she was a student liaison for Mr. Belding, who I would put wow, on Dennis the Hastings. creep side yeah. of that equation. Wow. Um, I, so, I would say like being a low level liaison, I did some, and I was like, um, I did book publicity in one of my early jobs after college and like had to like drive around a comedian or like follow him around for a day of press around a book. It's like a pretty horrible job. Like you are basically treated like the help, which is how, how uh, Dan O'Connell does in fact treat Bella for the majority of their interaction. And then he's at this party with her and Eric's there and Eric uses Bella's, um, connection with him, like literal, like the fact that she's been driving him around to pitch him himself for whatever, working on his TV show and like saying he has a writer's packet ready. Um, and then Bella decides to do what she has to, to, and, and she complains about the old boys club, which is real. And then she decides to do what she has to, which is go to his room in the morning wearing her, um, outfit inspired by the Britney Spears baby one more time video looking like a schoolgirl, And he says to her, you have no business looking this hot this early in the morning. And then she kisses him. I think it is very clear that she kisses him. And that's the end of the episode. So he, we return to our question. Is Dan O'Connell a creep? Jody, where do you land? He's not, not a creep. <laughs> He's not not She's 18. Yes. Which when they referred to their ages this, ep- this week, I was like, it was startling. I was like, wait, they're supposed to be 18. I'm watching a show about 18 year olds. <laughs> I love Layton always refers to herself and like any of her peers as women, which is, you know, great for her because I still refer to myself as a girl. It's something I'm working on. But and, the bachelor, uh, we always say girl. <laughs> I know it's it's a really hard habit to break and Layton's way ahead of us. However, she is a girl. She is 18 years old and she is a girl. And uh, yeah, I mean, the likelihood that any of them have turned 19 by December is reasonably low. Yeah, it's low. Uh, so presumably Checks out. Bella is 18. I don't know. I think they make it complicated. Like he doesn't even say you have no right to look this hot. He's like, you have no right to look this good. I look terrible. Like it is, it's a compliment, but it's not like extremely skeevy. And then she just really goes for it because when does Bella not go for, I mean, the the first storyline we knew about Bella was giving six hand jobs to get on the Catullin. And this is, a proven method for her. This tracks. It does really undercut her stated goal, which is to have a um, women-led, more ethical 
comedy climate, which is what she's trying to do with the Foxy versus the Catellan where she felt it was like an old boys club. So Bella's kind of caught between perpetuating the structures that she doesn't want to be a part of and also um, pursuing and, and also like just pursuing her dream of being a successful comedy writer. So I don't know. I, I w- will just say like, I think he's a creep, but not because of them making out if, if that makes sense. Like, I think he's more of a creep for giving Eric more attention, even though she, he used one of Bella's jokes than he is for making out with her. Like, cause she, I, again, she made out with him. And so I, I guess I want to say that like, he did give her attention though, you know, like he did he gave say, her give her an in. He gave her an in, he said, and he said, you should both be giving me your packets. I mean, Bella makes a really good point that like Eric has the one up because he knows what a packet is because he has the invitation to this boys club who's been defining what a packet is for a late night show for decades and decades. So like, that's the issue. But it it kind of did seem like he was giving them somewhat equal footing to me. So you're saying that he did, he was, that's like a, a a point for not being a creep. Like he was giving them both the ability to submit a packet. Yes. I thought he was, there were a lot of times where I thought he was going to be a real creep. Like when I spotted his lurch ass in that college party, <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is going to go badly. But he was just kind of hanging out, giving career advice. When, after they'd been talking for a while, he was like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. This is quite enough talking to two 18-year-olds. And, but then... I would say that I, it that is, doesn't, that's not lurch right. behavior. That's loser behavior. Adult sticking around a college party and hanging out. That's just very uncool. Like if I went to a college party, I would have to like cancel myself from life. That would be so embarrassing. <laughs> and I think we're supposed to be the Lur- same age as him. Lurching is simply a vibe. Uh, losering is a behavior. <laughs> Uh, I just want to say before he came out, I, for some reason, I felt certain this comedian character was going to be played by Dan Soder, who plays Mafi on Billions um, and is also like a comedian. And I just think of him as like the sort of like, well, he doesn't have like a late night show. That's just what I was expecting for some reason. And I would say they kind of look similar, but it wasn't, it wasn't Dan Soder, but I really thought it was. I was like, oh, it's going to be Dan Soder, literally based on nothing. I don't know why I thought that, but that, <laughs> that, that that's how I felt. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. 
I would say the thing I found most disappointing with this Bella storyline is that she already cheated on Eric. I mean, I actually really like Eric, even though he screwed her over this week. Yeah, I mean, she seems to, she is so emotional. She gets so mad and just makes like wild mistakes. And that was, I was like, did I miss them breaking up? Does she think that they have broken up in her head? But no, no. I, I have no idea how this is going to play out in well, the next episode. Is this guy going to stick around? Are they are they starting a situation? Did she just start a situation ship with a 36-year-old uh, late-night comedy icon? No, there's, there's no way. I think okay. there's literally no way he sticks around, right? Maybe he comes back at the end of the season if she ends up going to the show, but... You know, it's going to have to... It'll become an issue between her and Eric. And given the speed at which her and Eric's relationship has evolved, that might be as soon as, soon as next week. So <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to finding out. Um, I also just want to note, one of the reasons Eric has like the leg up on her is also because he's older. I think he's supposed to be a junior, right? So he is he knows like the packet route or the packet ropes better than she does. And he is the editor-in-chief of the Catullan. It's it's hard with Bella because the Catullan, which has come to mean something to me personally. Um, like, it's hard like, with Bella. Yeah, it's the Catullan. It's, uh, established, prestigious man. With Bella, you, it's, and with all of these characters, you get the ways that they are being oppressed and feeling that oppression within this, wealthy white world that they have been thrust into that some of them fit into more than others. But that doesn't like uh, take away the mistakes that they make personally. And Bella's confidence is her greatest asset, but it's also her greatest downfall. She has been in college as a comedy writer at a comedy zine or whatever for three months and Eric's been doing it for a few years and he has, he has a packet because probably he's just got a portfolio, you know, he's just been writing for that long. And that's like something that she also has to consider. Also, what was that guy talking about? You guys should submit packets to my late night show. Was he going to hire them as writers? Or was this Maybe for the internship? For, I think it's for the internship. It's probably like probably really hard to get. So I don't know. Um, well, you I just, have latched onto the Catullan and you have given this <laughs> level of prestige to Dan O'Connell's late night show. It's probably really hard to get. Uh, you noted that it's been they've been in college for three months, which like last we checked on the timeline, we were in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. However, were they not playing tennis outside in the sun in Vermont this week? I was very confused by that. Like, are they in a really well-lit tennis bubble? Like, a, literally a bubble? Like, I was just like, what the fuck's happening with this tennis situation? That was very confusing. That is such a great point, Juliet. The whole episode, they were dressed much more like warm weather. Like, yeah. They were not wearing time jump coats like they usually are. At some point, Whitney was wearing, it was like, I didn't even realize what she was wearing until I saw her whole leg. She was wearing a bathing suit with a coat over it to a party. I I don't think it's as cold as it was when they got back for the first snow. That was a dress like a summer party. So I'll I'll let that slide. I know, but outside, she didn't have anything (laughs) on her legs. She's in college. Alcohol's her winter coat. (laughs) That's true. Have you ever heard that saying? You're from the South, so I don't know. Um, alcohol, like alcohol is a coat. I've heard that. Yeah. It's like it below com- 40 here. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol's my winter coat. Um, 
You were talking about oppression, which I think means we have to talk about Whitney's storyline this week, which was twofold, but all centering around her experience in um, organic chemistry, which again, like perhaps that points to this being the second semester because she started a new class. Who knows? We can't go too too deep into it. But the school seems to work on like like a six, not quarters, but like a six segment system. Yeah, it's like every so. every six weeks, it's a new term. Yeah. Um, Whitney's TA confuses her for the other black woman in her class, whose name is Mariah. And then the TA burdens her with his tears and his white guilt. And she is um, annoyed by this. And also, like, I think does a pretty great job on TV of articulating a conversation that I think happened a lot, particularly for me on social media, but also IRL following the death of George Floyd. And I thought this was, like, a a really um, deft way of talking about race and, like, how, um, you know another like male structure where like this like white guy is burdening this young black woman with his guilt. Um, but I also, but I, and I was also glad that it was paired with Whitney doing a good job in class and like correcting this other asshole because I didn't want that to like be her only storyline as we've talked about. Like they, they, the show struggles the most with giving her depth. So I thought this was actually like a very good two episode arc for the development and in like evolution of that character. How did it play for you? I loved Whitney in these episodes. Like I, you know, I, I love, I love Whitney. Um, and, but I, but I was, I was hard on the writing of Whitney at the beginning of this season because I felt like in season one, she just wasn't given a lot to work with. And I really didn't like in season two that she was coming out of her main storyline being the coach that she had an affair with into her main storyline being that, she was now no in direction. a relationship with Kanan and has no yeah. direction as much as I love Kanan as a character, but I just didn't love that coupling. And I think freed of each other. They're both just being a lot funnier and Whitney's freedom to be messier. As I have like said that, that I think that that in the show is what makes these characters pop is, is working. And I don't talk about having to figure out if someone's a creep or not. I don't know how I feel that in episode six, she, after all the business with the TA in episode five, I agree was really, I was glad they chose to tell that story because I think that there's always like, or, you know, I had like a minute where I, where I thought, is she going to confront him about this in the nicest way possible? And then he's going to deck her grade. I think in like an older show, in a different show, that's what would have happened. But in this show, they're telling a pretty modern story, which is that this guy immediately starts crying. And she says, no, please don't cry. And, and ends up burdening with her. And she says later, you know, like, it sucks because I'm the one that's still thinking about this. And now what was already a burden on me is a further burden on me. I thought that was a great storyline. And then I like that she got some lighter fare in episode six with um, the asshole that she is paired with in her chemistry class for the lab, who is extremely condescending to her, says he'll do all the work, doesn't want her to help, assumes that because her mom is a senator that she's not really trying, no matter how much she says she's trying. And... Ultimately, that storyline boils down to her being able to correct him, which is a great win for everyone involved, and then him taking his sweater off and revealing that he has amazing biceps. And <laughs> and now where is this storyline going? <laughs> um, 
One thing I noted about the writing is that I believe neither the TA nor the chemistry lab partner were given names. We know the lab partner's last name. It's Fuller because it said it on the whiteboard or on the, the, the chalkboard, excuse me. More old school than that at um, in Vermont. But um, I thought that actually was a, a real, like a small but like important note of the show where it's just like, we're remaining focused on these women, even as these men come in and out of their lives. And so we will like, they will not be receiving names. And I also think that's like very true to like how men come in and out of your life when you're a a young woman dating and you're like, it's this guy, you know, like sex in the city captured this so well with big and the way that they gave like all the different guys, like nicknames or whatever, um, between the friends. And so I, I really liked that small piece of kind of like keeping Whitney in the center of her own story in these couple of episodes. And it's like, even though there were new men introduced after she's dating Kanan, she says at the beginning of five, like she's dating herself, the Ariana Grande. Uh, thank you next. And, <laughs> and I had so the exact thought- same correlation. I was like, yes, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt and like the writing so stayed true to that. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great point because I was looking for these guys' names when I was, you know, attempting to make an outline and I couldn't find anything, but I did not have such a nuanced take on it. But I love that. I do think on that note about like the way that guys or, or significant others or non-significant, unsignificant others flit in and out of your life. Situationship partners. <laughs> whoever people um, is they should be giving more nicknames. Like yeah. I, I think that's a big thing that you do in college is like nickname everyone that you brief, every romantic partner that you briefly encounter. Oh, of course. I just saw yeah. a tweet today. I wish I could credit it, but someone was like, in my group of friends, we're going to nickname you so fast. I just said, why is big pants texting me? And like, I'd like to see a couple, <laughs> I'd like to see some big pants on this show about college. <laughs> I definitely agree about that. Um, anyway, I don't know where Whitney and lab partner will be going, but I'm into it. Also, I just want to say- Where do you like, want me- them to go? Uh, I think like, to like, just like casual, like casual fuck buddies and he needs her for studying. Like I'd like her to beat him in class and he become like relying upon her brain. I, I like that. I was very unsure. <laughs> I mean, the moment I saw him, I was like, he is far too tall and far too handsome to not be a potential romantic partner. But then totally. he was being so mean and so terrible <laughs> that I was like, Whitney, don't you do it. Don't you come back around to him. But I'm already caving. So we'll see. I'm into him. I I also would say IRL college Juliet would be very into him as well. So I just, it, <laughs> it, pl- it plays. Um, it tracks. Let's quickly talk about Layton, who, um, much like Whitney, is interested in dating herself, except the doppelbanger refers in part to she has found another bitchy blonde woman, also from New York, who she's interested in. And it seems, seems like it might be mutual. Uh, and we also learned that she loves math and is very good at math. Uh, she might have learned that about herself. That was so random. Didn't see that coming, but okay. <laughs> well, we learned that she's really good at math in season one. Like in her mm. very first class, they like take some sort of competency test or something. And she gets like traded into a senior seminar. So she's apparently a genius. And right. I would like to see her doing more math. I think I I liked her chemistry with those guys that tried to get her to join the hackathon. And she was like, do I know you? And they were like, we're in an eight person seminar four times a week and just (laughs) nothing. I, I really, she's an athlete. 
she could be a mathlete. I I enjoy Leighton even when she's kind of like the, you know, D plot because I enjoy yeah. her snobbiness so much. And sometimes that does better in the D plot. And I was very impressed that they were able to cast another young woman who so like forecasts snobbiness and meanness and elitism as Renee Rapp does, who literally played Regina George on Broadway. Like, I was very (laughs) impressed that they were able to do this all over again with this new character, Tatum. Um, And just thought that was a funny... But I have to say, my favorite thing going on with Leighton in these two episodes was in episode five with Kimberly. I love any time that they are together. Um, and just being like completely opposite people. I, I liked it too. However, I thought the like fact that Kimberly had never been in an Uber and like never had the bottle of water provided to her in an Uber was completely unrealistic. That said, I don't, <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> I thought her saying, Leighton, someone has left four bottles of water back here. Do you think we should tell the driver? Was like one of the, like, I laughed so hard at her saying that. Anytime she is being like podunk, I, I think that it is so funny. <laughs> um, I like Kimberly a lot. I kind of feel like Kimberly's on a different show than the other three. Um, particularly when they show Kimberly at Sips. I love, I love all scenes at Sips. The combination of Kimberly... <laughs> Kanan and Leela is awesome. Particularly love now that Leela is their manager and their boss. That's like a fun, a fun wrinkle and a good twist for the actor. I just feel like that is like a very old school looking and feeling part of Sex Lives of College Girls where I'm just like, this is a show from the 90s. Like everything that happens at Sips where everything else is a show from the 2020s. And it's such a throwback to me. And, and not just because like, it's like kids working or whatever and like the clothes they're and like the uniforms they have to wear, but it always feels like a capsule inside of the show. Um, even more so this week with Chris, with Christina, with Kimberly helping Leela prepare for the job interview. Um, but it just like, it's really, it's really weird to me. I just feel like Kimberly is doing something different than everyone else. And I like it. But when she's not with the roommates, it's like, it just always like feels jarring to me. I would not like, I agree that she has felt different this season and especially just in the last few episodes. I wouldn't hinge it on the Sips thing because I thought her her participation at Sips really worked in season one and like it didn't feel so disparate. Um I was surprised by how quickly this, like, donating her or selling her eggs thing was wrapping up. Like, I thought this was going to be maybe a season-long storyline. I thought being sober was going to be harder for her. Um, And then it's just pretty much wrapped up by her being med-zoned by... uh, (laughs) Jackson. Oh, man. Jackson. What is, of course, his name? Is that his name? Jackson? Yes. Um, I think it is. I realized this week he looks like Paul Walker, and that's one of the reasons why he's so hot. He does look like Paul Walker. He is, they have really cast some, they have really done some casting on this show, some magic. (laughs) I mean, he just exudes body when he walks in the room. He's so hot. And he he does exactly what he's supposed to do. And I love it. That actor's great. Have I looked at his Instagram? Does he have a home in North Carolina? Yes, but that's beside the point. (laughs) Oh, exciting for you, Jody. Uh, Very very exciting for me. I'm just going to have to follow that thread. So I, 
And like, I've been looking forward to the coupling of Kimberly and Jackson. And then that it just happened by her being like, I'm down was a little anticlimactic for me. Yeah. Agreed. As for the egg freezing, I was wanted more about like the financial aspect of it. Like, you know, freezing your eggs is like a 10, if you, if you do it one time is like a 10 to 14 day experience. So like that kind of tracks, but like, I wanted more about, do you get more money per egg? Like I just, let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Like, is she going to be doing it again? I don't know. Just, I had, I had some cues. Um, also you can drink while freezing your eggs. That is like, that always happens on TV and it's not real. Um, but whatever, do, do you? The only uh, thing we know about the financial aspect of it is the pamphlet that said $80,000 $80, inside of you. So I assume right. she is now the proud owner of oh, $80, a simple $80,000 check for, I think they did say she got, she got 28 eggs. Right. Which is a lot. I was worried that something like bad was going to happen to her when she was sick and she had to go into Jackson's room. I don't, I didn't expect that it would be like being med zoned. I was like worried that she was like actually going to be really ill or something and something with the, with the procedure was going to have gone awry or whatever. So I'm, I'm glad that didn't happen, but my favorite thing that happened this week across the two episodes is absolutely um, Kimberly helping Leela prepare for the job interview and then Leela getting the job. So <laughs> it was just really such a sweet storyline and uh, further contributes to that feeling a different show to me. I feel like it also feels like a cheaper show. Maybe it's because it's one of the only sets that I'm like, this looks so fake. I, I don't know what it is, but something about the SIP storylines always take me out of it. I don't know. We had a coffee shop on my campus that looked like that. And my student job in college did kind of feel like walking into 1999. So like maybe Mindy Kaling relates and that's what's going on there. But uh, yeah, Leela continues to be probably the funniest character on the show. And I'm so glad that she is also so powerful now. She's not Sam. just funny. She's good at her job. Where do you think Kanan's going now that he's no longer dating... Whitney and he's sort of like the third at Sips. Like, what do we like? What do you expect from him? I don't know. I enjoy him. Me too. Big just time. being at Sips and being funny. And the KJ house seems to be like a you know a place that he is that Whitney is maybe getting more involved in. Although I guess that would have to have like direct relation to Whitney, which isn't happening. You know, in season one, there were rumble. I almost mentioned this last week, and then I was like, don't be crazy. There were rumblings that people wanted uh, Kimberly and Kanan mm. to get together. And it mm. briefly, there were a couple of hints in season one where it was like, is he thinking about Kimberly a little differently? But just how many hot guys can Kimberly bag? I'm dying Seriously. to know. Seriously. <laughs> She's, She's good at what she does. She's crushing it. <laughs> One final question for this week, Jody. Is science objectively less cool than math? Is math objectively cooler than science? I, I guess that this is completely subjective, but I mean, no, science is definitely cooler than math. I'm so sorry, Layden. Science is way cooler than math. I will say that as a total math nerd, in high school, I took math electives. Like, I loved math. So, Layton, I feel you. But science is definitely cooler and has many more real-life applications. So don't know what you're talking about, girl. Sorry. And people just have enough familiarity with the different kinds of science 
biology, chemistry. Those are the two I know. And what they they do, geology rocks, uh, (laughs) that I think that you can be like, oh, that's cool. You can explode stuff with chemistry. I bet you can explode stuff with some math too, but I don't know which kind of math. Yeah, it's like you have to like find the limit to explode a rock or something. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. But I do think it's like kind of like the niche of like, I'm really into math when you're in college. Very unusual. So at least there's that. It's less common. Yes, that that does make and still doesn't make it cooler, but it no. does make it interesting. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. And it's a part of Layton that I really like. And I would love to see her lean into as she continues to try to date her doppelbanger and win a few more. What was it? A hackathon. Hackathon. <laughs> Loved it. Well, looking forward to seeing what happens next. My big questions are what happens to Kanan? And where is this going with Whitney and and hot lab partner, hot asshole lab partner? I'm going to throw Bella and Eric in that mix because I'm pretty worried. Me too. Um, Thanks to Steve Allman for producing this episode. We'll be back next week. 